You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. I would like to analyze one quick point over here about the Ansar doing something interesting with the Muhajirin. We have traditions by Bukhari and some other books that some of the Muhajirin when they came to Medina, they left their family behind, like some of them did not have a wife. So what the people from the Ansar did, some of those from the Ansar who had multiple wives, they went to their brother from the Muhajir who was assigned to them and he told them, look, I have, let's say two wives, three wives. I am willing to divorce one of them. You choose, you choose one of them. This is what Bukhari says, choose whichever you like more, you're interested in more and I will divorce her and you'll marry her. And so, you know, they were so generous even with, her <laughs> with the wives that they had and they gave it to the people from the uh, Muhajirin. Now, how do we analyze an incident like that? This is disputed by scholars. Not all scholars accept the validity of these hadiths. Yes, it's in Bukhari and some other sources, but you know, for us, that's not necessarily uh, an authentic report. But let's assume, let's assume that these are authentic reports. How do we analyze that? Is this something appropriate? Because one objection is, look, I mean, your wife is your honor, right? Your dignity. And how do you just offer her to someone who just came to your city, even if you have good intentions. Yes, it's understood that that man has come here, he's starting a new life, he's sacrificed, he's left his home behind in Mecca and he does need a wife, right? And some of them did not have money, didn't know anyone, they couldn't easily get married. So we get the intention was right, but in the end that's not appropriate. This is your honor and you don't just, you know, give your wife to someone. So how do we address that? First of all, those men from the Ansar who did this, if this is correct, those who made this offer, it's not like you know they were selling their wives to that person, no. They divorced the wife and then she willingly married because according to Islamic law, you cannot force any woman to marry someone. It has to be from her own willingness and she must give consent. So what we understand is there was an agreement that one member of the Ansar would say to his one of his wives that you know we have a greater uh, you know interest over here in the community and the people from the Muhajirin they need to get married. So which one of you is willing? And one of them would be willing and it was by her permission, by her consent and that's how it happened. So it's not like she was forced into this. That's the first observation. The second observation over here, if you look at the social norms at the time in Arabia, it was very common for a woman to get divorced and remarry. Yes, I know in our society today, there's kind of a stigma to divorce. It's, you know, um, people don't view it that positively, right? It breaks families, it destroys, ruins lives. But in Arabia, this was very common. And the reason, one reason why it was very common is because their ideas of marriage were quite different than our ideas of marriage today. Today, and I think this is probably influenced a lot by Catholicism and Christianity, today the idea is that when you marry, that's it. 
you are making a lifelong commitment, husband and wife forever, even Catholicism bans divorce by the way, it's not allowed in Catholicism. Yes, these days because you know Catholics are under pressure uh, from a lot of groups when it comes to an abusive spouse, they are forced to make exceptions. But in Catholicism historically, even if the husband is abusive, there's no divorce, that's it, you're stuck until you die. <laughs> so in our modern times, there is that focus on an emotional attachment between the husband and the wife and it's a lifelong commitment. In Arabia, that was not the case. Yes, you live with each other as husband and wife, but the wife would be more invested emotionally in her children and her relatives. You don't find that very strong emotional commitment and bond between the husband and the wife such that if she gets divorced she's emotionally broken and she can't move on. This was much less of a problem in Arabia. That was their culture, that was their society. So I know right now you're thinking, but what do you mean, you know, just uh, end this marriage and go with someone else? How does that work? It was common in that society. It was something pretty normal. This is not something that, you know, the wife would find uh, too difficult to do because she had that severe attachment to the husband. No, it wasn't the case. So given social norms at the time, this was not unusual for a, a person from the Ansar to actually do something like that. So assuming that it is true, this is how, how we would analyze it. Having said that, what are your thoughts about this? Do you find this troubling, problematic or no? You found the Ansar really acting on altruism and generosity and if one of the Muhajirin really did not have a wife and the Ansar had numerous wives because remember they were living in polygamous societies, right? <laughs> so they didn't have, remember back then they would marry off their daughters at an early age and suddenly you have an influx, suddenly you have hundreds of people, remember Medina wasn't that big, what was the population of Medina when the Prophet arrived? Not that, several hundred, we're talking about several hundred, so when you have a population of let's say less than 1,000, suddenly you have 200 people coming, there weren't that many women who were eligible for marriage to marry them. But the Ansar had multiple wives because they lived in a, you know, a society that recognized a polygamy as the norm. So that was the only practical option for them. And maybe because they're extremely influenced by the leadership and dedication of Prophet Muhammad they wanted to help. Because once you love somebody, you just want to... You want to give everything, exactly. So when the Prophet made them feel brothers, you know, that bond of brotherhood was so strong, they were willing to make, uh, you know, a sacrifice like that. So I know this is unusual to do, but remember, their circumstances called for that. This is not something that happened uh, frequently, no, only in those early days to really welcome the Muhajireen and make them feel at home and to just sponsor them from every aspect, they were also given a wife. Yes, brother. Uh, Isn't there like a waiting period? Of course, of course, when the wife would be divorced, it's not like next day she's marrying the muhajir. no, no. They waited the waiting period, when the waiting period, which is on average two to three months, when that ended, then they married the, the muhajir. of course, that's a given. 
That's a given that the laws of divorce and the law of the Iddah were observed. <laughs> of course, definitely. But some have objected, you know, this is just not appropriate for you to do, you know. A man of honor, you don't just divorce your wife so she could marry somebody else. That was the objection. As long as they follow Islamic law. Exactly, so they didn't make any Islamic violations. And remember, it was with the consent of the woman, with her full consent. So as you, as unusual as it may sound, but it's not like they violated any Islamic principles, assuming that these reports are true. Yes, brother. So Sayyid, like I've heard uh, the argument for why Islam allows polygamy is because there are many uh, divorced women at the time and not enough people to marry them. Wars were yeah, one, one reason why Islam allowed polygamy was because men would go to war, they would be killed and then they would leave widows behind. So that was one reason to take care of those widows. But remember in Medina, when this happened, we're talking about a very temporary situation. You have an influx of migrants suddenly leaving their homes, coming to Medina. And at that point, there weren't enough women for them to marry. Because remember, the population wasn't that big. Suddenly you have hundreds of people migrating. So this was just to address that particular situation. Then later, as there were many wars waged against the Muslims, uh, the number of men became less than the number of eligible women to marry, yes. That would be a, a problem that would happen later when there would be wars. So we're talking just about those early days. Don't think that the people of Medina had a tradition of doing this. No, no, no. This is just the first few days when the Muhajirin settled. That's it. And then it stopped, you know, it didn't happen again. In any case, this is something that has been mentioned in history. Yes, sister. I was going to ask, what would happen to the children? Would they just stay with the mother? Okay, so for the children, it was common in Arabia. If the children were older, then they were older. But if they were young, usually they would be sponsored by the father. So the father would take care of them, he would spend on them. They would see the mother, you know, they always had access to their mother, but the custody was with the father. So yes, it was a sacrifice. Remember a, a mother moving out of the house, but they did it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just to show that generosity and altruism. It's not easy. I've known some families who have a number of children. It's not that common, but this does happen. And they have friends, a couple who cannot have children. So they allow that couple to adopt one of their children. Sometimes that does happen. Now that's a big sacrifice. You as a father, mother, how do you let go of your child and let them grow up in another house? Having another but because you see them so depressed and so desperate to have a child, you say, okay, I allow you to, you know, raise my child and adopt them, of course, the Islamic way. Adoption, if the identity of the child is preserved, meaning that the biological ancestry is preserved, it's halal, yes, it's fine. And of course, when the child becomes older and baligh, the laws of mahramiyah must also be observed. So if that's observed, then no problem.